You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. and gold hockey podcast a weekly discussion about the national hockey league's boston bruins affiliated minor teams and prospects of tomorrow's stars or fights to keep it in does has it in the corner to sanderson back in front door shots go ray bork Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, we've got a very exciting week, um, a jam-packed week uh, of discussion on last week's action and um, uh, some more discussion on the upcoming games, uh, some really exciting games that are coming up um, with the return of a, a certain Bru- uh, former Bruin. Um, I, I don't want to delay anymore, but I'd like to welcome back my, my co-host, Derek Delvecchio. How's it going, buddy? Going really good. How about you? Excellent. Excellent. How was your week? It's been great, man. We just took five out of six points, so it's uh, it's been a good week. And they are climbing the standings uh, in a slow fashion, but it's uh, upward progress. Definitely. Um, let's jump right in. Um. So the, the Bruins, uh, after 52 games played, they're 28-18-6 with 57 points. Uh, like I said, they, they moved up one spot from last week in the, in the Atlantic to third in the division. And they moved up one from last week in the Eastern Conference to the fifth. And they are officially out of the wild card position. Excellent. Hopefully they'll stay there. I, I, yeah, I I'm not a big fan of that wild card. It's, it's, it's a sketchy area. Yeah, it's tough, and you know, it, unfortunately, because of it, uh, you know, a good team or two aren't going to make the playoffs. That's, that's true. Very true. Uh, the last seven, the last, I'm sorry, the last ten games, uh, seven, two, and one. That's definitely a, a huge improvement and showing that they are on the upward trend. 
Well, especially after the Winter Classic, it's nice that they're back on track and getting some much-needed points. See, you call it the Winter Classic, and I call it the Winter Nightmare. Oh, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was cold, and I was there to see the whole thing, but it was a waste of $200. <laughs> so man, that's just my opinion. Um, so uh, last week... The Bruins on Tuesday played the Toronto Maple Leafs at the TD Garden and suffered another home loss, but um, got a point out of the deal. It was still, it, it was an ugly game. Um, you know, at, at this point in the season, we've left a lot of points on the table, and we're going to have to learn how to protect the lead, otherwise uh, it's going to come back to bite us in the end. Yeah, you. Um, in in my personal opinion, you just you can't play. Uh, you can't play games against teams like this and expect to be um, a, a long playoff producer. Um, you know, I, I know it's a different season, different mentality, and all that. But I, I just, I really want them to see them play better against teams that are out of it, and you know. If they happen to fumble the ball against a team like the Rangers, Chicago, or, you know any top tier team, you know it's it's respectable, but a loss is a loss and it sucks. Very true. Um. Yes, yeah, I mean not not really much to talk about that game. Um. The 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 one thing that uh, I gravitate to against the 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 Maple Leafs that night was uh, the overtime period and the um, pretty much uh, selfish play of David Krejci. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good player, but, you know, he has his hiccups here and there. Yeah, the hold of uh, Leo Komarov was a little bit unnecessary, in my opinion, which, um, you know, I I think cost the game. Well, I mean, he... He's usually a pretty heady player, and, and very rarely does he make mistakes like that. Was he fatigued coming back from injury? Could that have led to it? Maybe. Um, but you know that was that was tough. It was really difficult to blow a you know a two goal lead against uh, basically a bottom dweller in the division. You know, I mean they were oh seven and six against our division going into that game. So, you know. Those are the games you got to get those points. Well, like I said, it'll come back to bite you. Well said. Uh, bright point of the game was uh, Brad Marchand's two-goal effort. Uh, he's he's certainly been hot lately. Nine goals in the last eight games. That's sick. Absolutely disgustingly sick. And he's already uh, matched his 24 goals of last year, you know, with almost 30 games to go. I mean, he could – very well, it flips 30. Very possible. A lot of people are saying that it could, uh, you know, if he, if he keeps going this pace, he could possibly see 40. And the last 40 goal scorer was in the early 2000s with Glenn Murray. I remember that very well. I knew you would. <laughs> One of my favorite players of all time. Right? Yeah. All right, so, um, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, you know, Marshawn, he's uh when he stays within the rules of the game, he's a great player. And you can tell how confident he is out there. You know, it's almost like his stick has a magnet on it and just finds the puck. 
know, I mean, he had a couple of stick handling moves last night that put that def- uh, defenseman for Buffalo out of his skates, you know. When this line is going, we're at our best. I mean, if you look at plus minus of uh, uh, leaders since 2010-2011, Bergeron and Marshawn are uh, number one and two. Bergeron being a plus 109 and Marshawn being a plus 107. That's from Jack Edwards on Nesson last night, by the way. But he, uh, you know, when he's playing within the rules of the game, he's a very dangerous player. I agree. I, I'm, I, I, his discipline game is impressive. Um, and, and you could definitely see that since all the, the hubbub happened with his suspension and his return, he, he just seems like a different player. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the coach and management had a discussion with him during that, uh, right before the suspension. And, you know, he's come back and he's really uh, he's played his butt off every game. Yeah, so um, moving on to Thursday's game against Buffalo at the first Niagara Center. Um, back and forth game. Uh, another game that should have been won, it shouldn't have gone to overtime, and it shouldn't definitely have not gone to a shootout. But um, you know, we'll take the two points regardless. Um, what I like about that is, you know, they went down two nothing, and uh, you know they kept their feet moving and they kept pushing ahead. I mean, you know, it was nice to see them come back and not blow another third period lead. You know, right. Uh, it's good to see Spooner get on the board, scoring his 11th from Krug and Miller in the second period. Yeah, the game-tying goal and the game-winning goal in that game in the shootout. Uh, you know, what more can you say about Spooner? 11 goals, 27 assists. I mean, he's he's coming into his own. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely, definitely uh, opening a lot of eyes, and uh, even um, Claude Julians, which is um, good to see. Very good to see, especially, you know, how last year started out with Spooner, you know. Yeah, definitely lost some confidence, and, you know, Julianne was very diff- uh, tough on him. But, you know, he uh, he got himself together last year, held his head high, and, you know, he's hit the ground running ever since the first game of the season. He's been great. Good on the power play. Good player. He just needs to shoot more. That's the only thing about his game right now that I would like to see improve. Speaking of shooting, how about that uh, shootout winning goal? He just, he faked, he absolutely faked out um, uh, Chad Johnson. It was an unbelievable goal. What a move. What a move. Um, The kid's got great hands, great release. You know, I, I definitely see a really good future with him, and I hope he stays in town. I hope he keeps it up. Let's put it that way. Well, he's got he's three for three in the shootout this year, and the great thing about the three for three is all three uh, goals he scored in the shootout were game winners. So he's he's you know getting that clutch part of his game together, and that's great. You know, good time for it. Definitely. Um. All right. Uh, moving on to Saturday's game, which was last night's game. Uh, really good effort. I mean, it was a good game. Yeah. Um, 
I did. It's another. It's just. I go back to the you know the the Bruins should be beating teams like this, but um, you know the, the three to one win last night was definitely uh, good in securing those uh, the five out of six points. Um, but uh, a highlight to that was uh, Louis Erickson snapped his nine game goal drought. That was a beautiful play. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, that well, uh, Pasternak was involved in that, and uh, David Krejci involved. That was, that, I mean, tic tac toe. Loved it. It was nice when you know Krejci kind of faked out the goalie and made like he was going to shoot, and uh, left Erickson wide open. Yep. And uh, Marshan again, just just continues to be hot. Um. He's like, uh, like I know you touched on it, but his last five games, he's got five goals, and he's currently on a three-goal uh, goal streak for a season total of a twenty-four, twelve, and thirty-six. I mean, he's uh, giving me Pat Verbeek flashbacks. You know, that's one thing about Patty Verbeek back in the day. He was tenacious, always had a chip on his shoulder, same way Marchand is, and was able to put up, you know couple of good 30 goal seasons with Hartford. So, you know, Marshawn's he's got the tool. He's got plenty of speed, great stick handler. Um, again, as long as he stays within the rules of the game, the sky's the limit with this kid, you know? Pat, Pat Bervik reference. I love that. That is good. Um, so, uh, with that being said, I think we should start our first edition of, uh, of our, uh, three stars of the week. Um, I had, I had crazy. My third style was crazy. Uh, a goal, two assists, three points. Uh, you know, I like his game. I like what he does. You know, his role is to dish the puck. You know, if he gets an occasional goal, that's just a bonus. Right. But, you know, he's 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 just got tremendous skill and vision to give guys that shoot the puck on the team a, a better chance. The way he slows the game down and gives these guys opportunities to get set, I mean it's that's great. And you don't you don't see that very often. Everything is now in the league is pretty much about speed. A guy like Krejci, I mean he's just, you know, Blows the game down, takes his time, never panics, and uh, you know that's good for a goal scorer. You want a guy like that Absolutely. to kind of find you and you know give you an opportunity. Correct. Um, my number two star was uh, Tuukka Rask. Uh, he went two zero and one. He he's definitely showing signs of you know uh, getting better, and, and this is a good time for him to get better too. But it's also a time that the the team should have a little more um, should rely on their backup too to uh, rest for a potential uh, playoff um, run. Agreed. I uh, think last year they wore him out. Yeah. And uh, you know he's best when he's playing around fifty five, sixty games. And uh, unfortunately, due to the backup situation last year, you know he burnt out early. Agreed. Well, hopefully, Gustafson will get back on, you know, into the lineup, and you know. Yeah, we're going to talk about Gustafson shortly after. Um, 
But uh, my number one star, hands down, Brad Marchand. Um, four goals last week. Uh, and like I like I said before, he's on a he's on a streak. Uh, he's he's definitely the Bruins' hottest player. I went through the stats this morning, and I couldn't find anybody else that I could list as a, a hot Bruins player yeah. that's got a streak like that. So he's my only one that you know that really you know mentioned deserves a mention. Well, he's pretty much carrying us right now. Right. You know, and that line has been the best line all year long. They've been most consistent. Well, it also oh. it also proves in those numbers that you got from Jack Edwards. You know, since uh, 2010 and 11, that you know he can be that player, and you know the proof's in the pudding. Definitely. Just asking Cougar. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, let's go to your three stars. I'm 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 anxious to uh, hear what you have to offer. Okay, my I'm going to go from third to first. My third star was Tuka Rask. Uh, he gave up seven goals and 94 shots this week. Um. But in the you know, home and home to Buffalo, he stopped 63 out of 66 shots. So he had that tough game like the whole team did against Toronto. But the last two games, he's been the superb, making timely uh, stop and giving us a chance to win. You know, he's been great. That's a good pick. Real good pick. Uh, my number two star is Ryan Spooner. Um, in the away game at Buffalo, he had uh, – both the game-tying goal and the game-winning goal in the shootout. Um, like I said, you know, 11 goals, 27 assists. Uh, he's great on the power play. He uh, He's one of those players. He's coming into his own right now. And, uh, you know, he just has to continue to play well in the defensive zone. And, uh, you know, I, I've noticed that a lot. You see him back in the defensive zone helping out his defenseman. Kind of like the way Bergeron and Krejci do. He's, he's getting it now. Yeah, he's Staying all 200 feet of ice. Yeah, I was just about to say that he's he's becoming a real good uh, three zone player. Um, you know, you see it a lot in the league, but uh, you see it a lot more with veterans like Bergeron and Krejci. It's 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 good to see from a young player. Agreed. You know, like I said last year, he kind of struggled, and he could have gone down to Providence and Salt, and he didn't. He uh, Worked his way back up, and uh, you know Julianne could end up in the long run having a very positive effect on his career. You know? um, I definitely hope that Julianne sees more, um, you know, takes the blinders off when it comes to developing players like him. Agreed, agreed. That's that's a must right now because in the next year or two, there's going to be a lot of young kids coming through that door. Yeah, you know? and, and, and those kids that are coming through that door are also going to be low cap numbers. Yep. For a high cap team, right. you know they're going to fill roles where where it's needed. That you know a four or five million dollar player that doesn't produce can. Right. So, uh, and that's the that's the part of the league right now. You know you have to try to catch the lightning in a bottle with these kids on their entry level contracts, and that's how you save money against your cap. You know, and then once that contract runs out, you either resign them or you move them as an asset and. Get a better piece on your team. I.e. Dougie Hamilton. Exactly. (laughs) Did you say your number Um, one yet? My number one star is uh, Brad Marchand, obviously. Uh, Nine goals in his last eight games. Uh, Excellent penalty shot last night. Um, 
like I said, you know, he's uh, him and Bergeron are pretty much the A order of this team. Um, and you know, when that line is on, you know, one of the best in hockey. I agree, absolutely. And I look, you know, and 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 for honorable mention, Connolly had a really nice game last night on that line. You know, I think he should wear a horseshoe around his neck during games. I mean, that poor guy is zero puck luck, but. Oh, I thought last night he set up a lot of chances. He was involved all night long, and, you know, they need that on the wing. I, I, I You know what? I, I have to give you – I have to agree with you there that he did look good last night, but I, I know you guys can't see this on the podcast because you're listening, but that bothers me right there, the Marshan bergeron Conley line. And I get these printouts from Jack Edwards – on uh, via his Twitter account, and you know, all week that guy's been on the top pairing. Yeah. And I, I, Julian, obviously, see something that we I, I don't, but you know, if it's if it's getting five points out of six, I guess I'm happy with what he's doing. Great. And you know, I mean, Connolly does have speed. I, again, the one issue with him is he needs to shoot more. I mean, he's averaging, what, a shot, shot and a half a game, and that's just not going to cut it, especially a forward. Especially a top-line forward. Exactly. And that's where he really needs to get his game together. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to discuss about last week? Uh, well, again, like I said earlier, it was nice to see them take the five out of the six points. Um, again, you know, every point from here on out, um, pretty much is, is huge. Absolutely. You know, um, again, they're going to have to play 600% of hockey the rest of the way. Um, this could be the year that 100 points, uh, you miss the playoffs. Oh, you know, with all the parity. So it's 96 you know? last year. Yeah. And that was yeah. the, that was the, uh, the, uh, an unfathomable number to me. To get ninety six four points from a hundred and not make the playoffs, but that's that's the way the NHL is today, and especially in the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I mean, it might be a little biased because we're on the East Coast and we're such good Bruins, uh, diehard Bruins fans, that we see that. But just want to see them make it. You know, that's the goal. You know, from what I got from Don Sweeney and staff. They said the goal is to make the playoffs this year and get back on track. Well, let's see it. Well, and if you're going to go that route, then you got to hope that some of these trade rumors that I've heard, we've heard over the past couple of days don't come true. Yeah, I know. I know. We, we will definitely discuss that in the general discussion area of the podcast, but uh, some interesting and, and funny, um, <laughs> funny ones that we've heard and we've gone back and forth to each other. Uh, via yep. text and Twitter, so uh, I just like to talk about a little Bruins news. Um, some players departing, some players coming back. Um, center, fourth line center, Jonas Kampainen, uh sent to Providence. Uh, like I said, he's been on the fourth line. He's played thirty-five games. He's only got a goal, two assists, and a team leading minus eleven. Yeah, he does not look comfortable playing the North American game. Uh, not at all, especially in, in Julian's system. Um, 
again, you know, they signed him on a one-year contract, basically peel him out. But, uh, yeah, to be honest, I haven't been very impressed with him. I know he's he's done well at the face-off dot and, and, and anything, but he hasn't really done anything glaring that you would be like, oh, look at that kid, you know? So I have a feeling that experiment's going to be coming to an end soon. Right, right. I, um... He's 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 on a two way one year two way contract. Um, big guy. Yeah. I just. I I see him as a floater. Yeah. I don't see him like really, like finishing checks or initiating body contact when, you know, the team needs it. I I, I mean, it might you you might be absolutely correct when you say that he's just not used to, you know, two hundred. By 85 feet of ice yet in his first year in North American professional hockey. He might be used to, you know, uh, 210 by 8, whatever the numbers are in Europe, you know. Well, it's, um, you know, coming over here and having to learn the defensive system of Julian and still try and be productive in the offensive end, I could see where that would be difficult for some kids, you know. Right. So, But, you know, 35 games in your first year, I think that Julian and staff should have figured that out after 10. Agreed. And minus 11, that's a horrible stat. Yeah, team leading. Yeah. Uh, let's get off the uh, Jonas wagon and uh, talk about Jonas Gustafsson. He's activated from the IR and returned to the backup role from rumors of an irregular heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. He's had issues with that in the past and... Uh... Obviously, you know, he probably wanted to, you know, err on the side of caution, which in a situation like that, I, I don't blame him. Um, but hopefully, uh, you know, he'll be ready to go soon because uh, there's going to be a lot of three games and four nights in March. March is a very busy month. And, uh, you know, you can't be having Rask end up with 60-something starts. And like I said earlier, he needs his starts kind of managed, you know, because when we get into the playoffs, you're going to need a hot goalie. And uh, four guys worn out and playing extra games, you know. So hopefully he'll be all right. But, you know, I like Gustafson. He's had a good year, and uh, hopefully he'll get back on track. Yeah, I I, I, I like Gustafson, but I'm not sold on him. Um, I think he's – He's he's fitting a good role right now, you know what I mean? He's he's making me think otherwise of the way I think of his past with uh, Toronto and Detroit. Um, but you know, I'm still waiting for that, you know, once once in a lifetime effort like Chad Johnson did a couple of years ago when he went 17 and four and whatever, you know, and just had a good year and really helped rest up Tuca. Um, in preparation of the year that they went to the Stanley Cup against the Chicago Blackhawks. I think, you know, some of that has to do with our defense, unfortunately, having their hiccup. I mean, uh, you know, look at the game yesterday. I mean, they were playing past their grenade in the second period and panicking and running around. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it gets them into trouble. And we've had, you know, it's been tough on the goalies this year, you know. They've had to steal us a few games, and you know that's that's you know, I don't expect the guy to go off on a 
you know, a, a seven or eight game win streak or anything like that. But he, he's filling the roles the way, you know, a, a person, a player in his position is supposed to do. And, and like you said, I'm just, I just pulled up the, uh, the March schedule. Uh, it's tight. Uh, there's, there's one, two, there's three back-to-back games. A, um, the 7th and 8th of March against, uh, they do the Florida trip against the Panthers and Lightning. And the 18th and 19th, they do the West Coast trip against uh, Anaheim and L.A., which is not going to be any easy feat. Definitely not. And then come back to the East to play on the 23rd and 24th against the Rangers and the top-notch Florida Panthers. So, I mean, I'm just going to click on April. I'm just going to click on April. April is pretty much spread out. So, I mean, those those are games that you're going to need your backup. You yep. definitely you definitely can't have Tuca going 2-2. Two and two. You know, against teams like that. Agreed. And, you know, with the extra rest that Gustafson had, I think he'll be ready. And, you know, like we both said, you know, we're going to need him down the line. You know, you want Tuka going into the playoffs. I mean, nobody's fresh at that time. But at the same time, you don't want him to be worn down. You want him to, you know, because the playoffs are, you know, you got to have your best. Whole different animal. Definitely. Um, and the last thing, uh, Adam McQuaid is a uh, return to uh, practice. He's uh, missed action since January fifth against the Washington Capitals. Um, I think I think he'll. I, I hope he's a hundred percent. I hope he's not being rushed. Um, you know, I'm not high on McQuaid. I I. I Pretty much, I just don't like his contract. I don't like his term. I thought that that was ridiculous. But he does add a physical ability to the game. Um, you know, he moves players around. You know, and he's not the he's not the most flashy defenseman in the league, but he plays a role on the team that you know is needed. And for um, a starving defense, in my opinion, uh, his return would be uh, greatly appreciated. Absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be tough for him because, I mean, he's going to have to be careful phys- physically. You know, coming back from a concussion when you've been out a month, it's, you know, it's going to be tough for him to get back into game action. And uh, you're not going to want him dropping the mitts every game either because, you know, one good hit and he's back on the shelf for three, four months. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully somebody else will be able to play that role. Because he's played that role very well this year, you know. Cuts down on traffic in front of the net, plays physical. But, uh, like I said, you don't want him to play too physical. End up with another concussion. We've seen it happen with players, you know. Oh, they I come know. back and go back right back out. Agreed. Agreed. Um, one stat about Marshan that I forgot to uh, include in the, in the uh, week prior, but did you know that Marshan's penalty shot was the first in Bruins history scored in overtime? That's unbelievable. Isn't that great? Yeah. You know, and uh, what better player to uh, break the record than Marshy? I know. I know. I, know. I got a secret man crush on the guy now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, National Hockey League Bruins discussion. 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let's um, let's uh, talk about the week ahead. Uh, tomorrow, there's no game. Uh, Tuesday, the Los Angeles Kings come to Boston for a 7 o'clock tilt at TD Garden and the return of Milan Lucic. Yeah, that's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be... Uh going to be interesting to see what kind of reception he's going to get when he comes back tomorrow but i'm, I'm sure it's going to be positive i mean you're talking about one a guy that has been one of the most popular players in the organization in the last 20 years um yeah you know and it's tough it's tough when he got moved and, and you know he was very popular here and uh, i was sad to see him go but at the same time you know it's a business i agree i I was a huge Luchix fan in his first four years, and I kind of tailed off in his last four uh, because of his production, but you know, uh, or his intensity to be that um, well-known tough player in the league. He's, you know, maybe it was management that said tone it down or. We don't need you hurt. Regardless, I just saw a decline in his play. Um, his popularity was obviously at a, at a high, but you know, in my opinion, I just, you know, when it came down to a business, I kind of agreed with the move. You know, the, sa the salary cap—it's it, always—it's always that bitch. You know, it's always that one thing that holds the Bruins back, or you know, and I know it's—it's. It's, it's the same for 29 other teams as well. But, um, you know, cap casualties, they suck. And, uh, you know, the money, he was making, what, $6 million a year, and, you know, the numbers didn't support the uh, salary he was getting. And then the rumors came out that when he became a free agent, he was going to want $8 million a year. Well, $8 million a year, I mean, that's, that's a lot of change. Paying a guy that's going to score 15 goals. I mean, yeah, he'll lead your team in hits. He plays physical. He creates space and room for his line mates. But at the same time, that's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, this doesn't support, unfortunately, his numbers never supported uh, his salary. And a big part of that was, you know, the whole power forward position. Um, I mean, how many people. Since back in, you know, well, Perry's done well for Anaheim, but other than him and Luke, how many players have been able to live up to that power forward role since Neely and Wendell Clark and Gary Roberts did back in the day? Very few. Yeah, Tough no, position. No. Because you want you to score a lot of goals, 30-plus, then have 100 minutes in penalties and play physical. The issue is, is you end up getting hurt playing that type of role. It's very difficult. That's what, when you look back at Neely's career and what he accomplished, numbers that he accomplished in that time, it's unreal. You know, it's very difficult. For every, you know, Cam Neely, Wendell Clark, Gary Roberts, like I said, you have 25, 30 Brad Isvisters and, uh, you know. <laughs> Brad Isvister. <laughs> yeah, another player. He was supposed to be this power forward when the Islanders drafted him, or was it Vancouver? Either way, he never panned out to be anything, you know? I, so, love, I love your references, man. <laughs> I really do. That's funny. <laughs> I know. Worry. I go way back. <laughs> no, it's, it's good, though. It's good that, you you know, you got, you're you diverse in, in, in today's knowledge and, and the ones of yesteryears. But 
I, I just like the way you bust out with the. the, <laughs> the I, is, I used to call him the Is Buster. <laughs> I used to call him the Is Buster. Oh yeah, he was. Awful. <laughs> I'm here, you are. Right. But uh, going back to talking about L.A. coming to Boston, uh, they are a very. Uh, I'm not going to say they're a hot team right now, but they are a good team out in the West. They are 31, 17, and three with 65 points. They have a very good 16, seven, and two away record. And how does that feel coming into TD Garden when the Bruins have a 12, 13, and three record? That would be tough. LA is a very heavy team, and uh, you know, you depth. Uh, definitely. Look at the rejuvenation of uh, LeCavier there. I mean, he's been great since they brought him in. And uh, basically, Philly paid him to go play there. Yeah, half. He most of that contract. Half. Yeah, and then Shen, too. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, Lombardi's got to be top five as far as GMs in the league. You know, oh, the I, I, I have him at one. I have him at one easily. He's a good negotiating uh, cap lawyer. Yeah. Um, he 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 knows his he knows his stuff, um, yeah. and you know now that we're talking about L.A. Kings, believe it or not, I had uh, assistant general manager Mike Fuda higher on the food chain than I did than on Sweeney. Really? Oh yeah. I I I I liked Don Sweeney as a general manager coming in as a player development um, role. He knows the players, he knows the team, and so on. But if you want, in my opinion, and I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that if you want maximum production out of a out of a team and an organization, hiring within is a fifty fifty flip of the coin. You know, you're going to see the the you know the good and the bad. Yeah. If you from. What I think, if you hire from with outside of the system, and you bring a guy in fresh, and he comes through that door and he starts doing this, starts demanding, I think you're gonna get good results. It might not last a long time, but it might last for three or four years that you need to get back on track. But like I said in in the first podcast that we did. I give Sweeney a B. I think he's done a pretty decent job with what he has to deal with. Oh, to get us out of cap hell the way he did, um, get out from under Savard's cap. I mean, that was amazing in itself. I never thought that would happen. Right. That right. would be stuck with that contract forever. And, you know, he got us out of cap hell and he made some decisions that were tough ones. Um, you know, I mean, you, me, and, and a lot of the diehards were all upset when they traded Lude and Hamilton. But as the summer went along and, and all the pieces came together, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd say B is, is appropriate. But I think his drafting was, was great. I know that Gretzky being the uh, director of amateur scouting is going to get a lot of the credit, and as well he should. He's one of the best in the game. But Sweeney had to sign off on all those moves too. So I'm sure that he had some, you know, some uh, input, but yeah, you know, and I think this deadline and how he handles it is going to go a lot towards that grade as well. Uh, he, he's a rookie. 
So this is this is his first deadline uh, behind the behind the desk, and it should be very interesting. I'm 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 looking forward to, you know, I'm not gonna freak out if it's a bad move or a good move. I I want to see how it turns out in future years. Yeah, I would like to see him try to make a move, kind of like they did back in '97 when they traded uh, Adam Oates, Rick Tockett, and Bill Ranford to Washington. Got back Jason Allison and Anson Carter, and uh, I believe the other one was was Carey, the uh, goalie. Yeah, Jimmy but uh, they were very competitive for the next three or four years by making those moves. And uh, you know, I'd like to see Sweeney make a similar move, oh. uh, especially if you're going to trade Erickson. Right, you know. right. Um, getting back to the week ahead, uh, Thursday's game is on the road and this is the start of a uh i believe a three yeah oh geez thursday's game is a start of a six game road trip but we're only going to talk about the first three so thursday's game is at 8 p.m at um winnipeg um, Winnipeg's really not doing that good this year, and the Bruins have a very good uh, road record. So I'm hoping that the Bees get a two big points out of there. Uh, the the Jets uh, 13, 12, and one at home. Uh, their last ten, uh, four, six, and zero, oh. and the. The last time these two teams played was the first game of the season on October 8th, and it was a 6-2 Bruins loss. Um, I, I just want to see two points. That's another team that's out of it, and you know I'm, I'm going to keep preaching this, that you need to beat teams like that. You don't want to play down to the level of your competition week in, week out, because... Towards the end of the year, when you're fighting for a playoff spot, you're going to have teams, probably Buffalo, Toronto, to name a few, that are going to be so out of it, they're going to have nothing to play for. Pride, jobs. And those are the games where you got to get points because, you know, those are very important. Win the games that you should win and, you know, as far as the rest of them, you know, try to be around 500 with those teams. Agreed. Uh then Saturday, the Bruins travel to Minnesota to play the Wild, and wow, th- this team—you—you've got so much talent. But they're young. They're, they had a good goaltender, um, and they're on the bubble. But their 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 uh, their recent record is just awful. Uh, their 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 regular season record is twenty three twenty and nine. They have fifty five points. Um, they're under five. They're over five. I'm sorry. They're fourteen eight and three home record. Uh, which is it's it's decent. But the last ten games one eight and one. So that's and the season series the last time uh, is one nothing Bruins with a four to two. Home win back on November nineteenth. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but if you look at the career numbers of Minnesota versus Boston, they pretty much handled us since their inception back in uh, about the early two thousand. Yes, I do remember that. 
So that's that's a tough game on the road. And they're they're also on a cur- they're currently on a, a three game losing streak. So yeah, they've been missing Parisi for a while, and you know he's one of their best players. That you know it's tough. The yeah. injuries play a part in how you how well you do or how well you don't. Right during the year, so. And then Sunday, I know I know we go Saturdays about that week, but it's a back to back. So I just thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, the Bruins are on the road again against Detroit. Detroit's got a twenty six eighteen and eight sixty point season so far, um, but it's funny that that a team like that is twelve ten and five with a home record. And I'm not saying, you know, the Bruins have a have a shitty home record that, you know, I understand that, but Detroit I I'm actually surprised. You know, I mean, um I figured that they were going to have a tough season with Babcock leaving. And uh you know, credit where credit is due. They've kind of hovered around. Um they got a good team and a lot of young talent in that organization. Right. So yeah, that's going to be another tough game. In the last ten, Detroit's four, five, and one. But the uh, the bright shining moment of this uh, stat that I'm going to say is the Bruins lead the series against the Red Wings two to nothing. So that's that's a positive thing. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they did win at Joe Louis Arena and they did win at home. So it's a one and one kind of sorta. Well, that's good because, I mean, you know, you want to definitely – I mean, these are two teams, us and them, that are going to be hovering around that bubble come, uh, you know, the end of the end of April. So, you know, you definitely want to try and win as many season series as you possibly can. So, um, we win that Sunday game that's 3-0. We'll win the season series. Winning three out of five. So, that's good. I like you thinking. All right. Uh, anything else about the uh, upcoming week uh, that you have on on mind? Uh, well, again, you know, we uh, we got one more home game on Tuesday, which is going to be very emotional. So uh, it'll be very important. But uh, again, you know, our road uh, record has been great this year, um, and. Again, that's that's great considering how tough you know our uh, home record has been so far. So hopefully, uh, you know that'll continue and uh, have a nice big uh, you know momentum game on uh, Tuesday, and you know we end up on the road for six games. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely like their 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 chances just because of their their road record stats. Um, so. But you know some of those games, uh, I mean, except for the the Minnesota and Detroit game, which is going to be afternoon games. Um, those Western teams are late nights. Well, I mean, those Western teams, especially the ones out in California, they're all heavy teams, yeah. and you know that's a tough trip for any team in the league to have to go to take. You know, they're going to come out, they're going to hit every single night, and uh, you know. Um, and that's good for us in a way because we play well against the heavier team. So, Agreed. hope we, uh, yeah, get as many points out there as possible. That's the name of the game, my friend. Um, so, you good? Good. 
Alright, uh, let's uh, dive right into some uh, Providence Bruins talk. Um, the After 46 games played, that number might be wrong. <laughs> uh, the P Bruins are 21-15-8-2 with 52 points. Uh, sitting nicely in 4th in the Atlantic Division and 6th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, playing better as of late. Um, the on Friday they played the Albany Devils and lost in a shootout. Uh, not a very good game. Um, didn't think Subban had a had his best game either. But um. Oh, where am I going with this? Uh, their last 10 games, they're 6-0-3-1. They still have the best power play in the league at 23.8%. And their penalty kill, which is an, impre- an impressive stat, has been rising too. Uh, they're ranked third with 86.3. So things are, things are starting to work work down at 95 in Providence. Um Last night's uh, last night's game. Um, unfortunately, I, I watched. I didn't see what happened, but from uh, reports from uh, um, sources that I know in Pro- in Portland, Maine, was that uh, Malcolm Subban took a shot from Seth Griffith and hit him in the neck, Ouch. and he immediately went off the ice. And immediately seeked um, a medical attention outside of the building. So he went to the hospital, uh, and Zane McIntyre had to come in and start the game. But um, this is a, a interesting story that um, a fan in attendance signed a one-day contract with the Providence Bruins. Um, his name's Joe Parker, and he's a beer league goaltender. I'm not sure about his experience. I'm thinking about writing an article about this uh, sometime today or maybe even tomorrow. Uh, I will get more information, and you can probably read that at uh, Black and Gold Hockey Blog at WordPress.com. Um, but uh, it's interesting that you know. I'm not sure if they if they if they made a mention to the fans. You know, is there a doctor in the building? Uh, <laughs> but you know, is there a goaltender in the building? You know, please raise your hand. But um, you know, I'd be curious to see what he got paid for that one game. I I want to say it's um, I think it's a couple hundred bucks. I want to say it's a couple hundred bucks. It could be more than that. But uh, yeah, more beer for the beer league. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're from Maine. You uh, obviously have ties to uh, hopefully a Bruin. You're a Bruins fan. It's just uh, a lower jersey in the rankings, but that's still got to be a great moment. Oh yeah. You know, I, I was a I was a goaltender for a long time, um, over 30 years in uh, ice hockey, roller hockey, and deck hockey. And I'm not sure if you know what deck hockey is. It it's pretty much uh, street hockey, but okay they have plastic tiles so they don't you don't ruin your equipment i actually wore my gold my ice hockey goalie gear on these plastic tiles and they 
and they, they wouldn't scratch, they wouldn't, you know, rip or anything like that. But um, I could tell you one thing right now, if I got that opportunity to sit on the bench, even in Portland in an American Hockey League game, I would probably puke. Because <laughs> I have a nervous stomach. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, a good game. McIntyre really came in um, and played well. I this was probably his game. He he actually broke 500 last night. Uh, his record is now seven six and one. Uh, he's really taken a back seat to to see. I, I think management is really uh, pushing Subban to be that better goaltender, um, the goaltender for the future. Um, either or, it be in a Bruin uniform in the future or play him for. Uh, trade value um, but he played well uh, with you know short very short notice uh, the uh, the Bruins uh, beat Portland three to one um, Petrano he got another goal last night it was an empty netter but whatever that's 17 goals in 16 games Great, you know I miss him up in Boston. Kid just he, he just loves to shoot, you know. And in a way, it's nice to see a kid like that, you know, become selfish, shoot the puck, you know. Easy to, you know, it's it's good that you want to be less selfish and more of a team player and and set up your teammates. But in the end, you know, you got to be able to score at this level. Petrano is definitely that you know has that upside to him. But, you know, I, I had this conversation with a, a couple people on social media um, the past couple of days. Um, when you talk about players like Seth Griffith, yeah. you know, it, it, bring him up. Bring him up. He's a point-per-game player. There's, did you know that there's three point-per-game players down in Providence right now? Griffith, Coco, and Vetrano. That's, that, that's something I haven't seen in a while, I might be, I might be wrong, but it, it, well, especially with the Bruins, the la- last yeah last year in Providence, I only counted one all season. Yeah. I'm not sure who it was. I don't remember, but uh, um, you know, you can light it up in the AHL. Right. There's no doubt that anybody that has talent as a developing can light it up in the AH- AHL, but like Vetrano, when he comes to the NHL, he's, he's not that player anymore. You're playing at a different level. I know he got a hat trick, and I know he got two goals you know, separate, but they were few and far between. There was no consistency. His consistency is so much better down in the, down in the AHL. Now, I am a firm believer of keeping guys down in the A. To keep going. I mean, if you're a point per game player, like Vetrano is over a point and a half, you know, per game. Right. Keep rolling with that. That builds confidence. Look at Detroit. I want to use an example. Now, look at Detroit and these great young players they have. Tar, Nyquist, blah, blah, blah. The one thing that was great and would help their careers is they were given ample time down in Grand Rapids to improve their game and become more comfortable. They were never rushed. 
And that's one thing that Boston is trying to do is giving these kids ample time down there to kind of find their game and get comfortable and, and get to know the uh, the game as a professional. Agreed. You know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a kid spending extra time down there if it's going to benefit them in the future. Especially if you get a kid. I mean, look at Spooner, for instance. Now, he played down there for a while. And, you know, there were a couple of seasons where he was a point per game, but yet he'd come up to Boston and play 11 games and you wouldn't hear his name called for maybe seven or eight of them. Now he's starting to get more comfortable. To give these kids more time and you don't rush their path, you know, it just it benefits them in the future. I'm, to- I'm totally with you on that one. Totally with you. But, uh, you know, I, I just I... – I, I value the future of this team. I really do. And I see, I see positive things in the future, whether it be, you know, players, the, the, the very few players in Providence, um, like Coco, Griff, Petrano, Zarnik, DeFazio, you know, any of those, you know. But there's a lot of players that are just, uh, you know, fill-in players to keep them, you know, going. Um you know, I, I'm just a firm believer of developing the right way, not rushing anything, because I, I believe that if you rush a player, bad things can happen. You know, you get, you get, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just very strange for me to, to, to explain what I'm thinking. Uh, bad habits, you know what I mean? See, every, every position, whether it's forward, defenseman, or goalie, has its own learning curve. Like, for instance, you know, uh, defensemen usually takes them good four to six years before they start becoming a regular D-man in the league. Um, Goaltenders are the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a brutal learning curve as well. It's uh, very difficult. So you don't want to have to push a kid or, you know, and and their confidence is so delicate when they're in the middle of that learning curve because they're trying to learn the game and yet act on it as well. And it's, you know, it comes to some kids uh, very quickly and others, it takes a while, you know, but it's nice to see, you know, like Spooner, for instance, it's like the flick of a switch. You know, he gets it. And, you know, hopefully one of these kids down there, whether it be Vitrano or Griffith or Zarnik will, you know, have a similar path. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Let's talk about the uh, week ahead for the uh, Providence Bruins. They uh, only have two games coming up. Uh, they have a tilt against Albany in Albany at 7 p.m. Uh, the Devils are a decent de- decent team. 26, 12, 7, and 0, 59 points. Impressive home record. 17, 4, 3, and 0. Um, the last 10, not impressive with 3, 4, and 3. And Albany leads the series three one and zero. So that's I mean, those are always good games. I mean, they don't play Albany quite often like they do. I mean, that they're outside of the um, division. Yeah. I mean, if you play in the division against teams like uh, Hershey, Wilkes Barre, you know, Hartford, blah blah blah, you play those guys like nine to twelve games a season. So, I mean, the travel is so close, you know, it saves money. But um, the Albany games, I've always enjoyed, but Albany's really, really been a thorn in the Providence Bruins side. Um, The next game is Friday night 
and the Hershey Bears come to the t- uh, the the dunk at 7:05. Hershey's another team that's uh, right behind Wilkes Bears Granton in the Atlantic Division, uh, 26, 13, 3 and 6 with 61 points. Um, but their away record isn't isn't very impressive with a 10, 8, 2 and 2. Uh, but their last 10, they're 7, 0, 2, and 1. And the last time the Hershey Bears and the Providence Bruins played was November 25th, and the Bruins lost in overtime. So that's that's the week right there for the P Bruins. Um, they, they've been playing well enough to, to definitely get four points out of those next two games as they continue to rise up, hopefully... Uh, Continue to um, you know play well and uh, you know hope for, hope for um, a playoff position. Yeah, I mean, and those uh, reinforcements, you know, that were passed down ninety five from the big club has really helped too. You know, the amount of depth that we have is is great. It really is. Um, how about some prospect talk? Sounds good. All right, got to go to our boy Zach Senishin. Right wing from uh, the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds of the OHL uh, Thursday versus, uh, and this is all, these are all last, this past week's numbers, but uh, versus the North Bay Battalion, he had a goal in a 5 to 2 win. The next night, he and the Greyhounds played the Mississauga Steelheads, and he had a goal and assist in a 5 to 3 win. Uh, and that brings his season total to 32, 15, and 47 in 48 games. Awesome numbers. Love the kid. I absolutely love watching this kid. It's just incredible. And our friend uh, Paul Aruda uh, actually, actually went to the game and got his picture taken with uh, Zach. So uh, he's been a good, um, um, good scout for us to, uh, to feed off of. I mean, this kid, unbelievable. You know, 26 goals last year as a fourth-line player, and he just he's getting better and better. The sky's the limit for this kid, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he'll put on a little bit of weight and muscle and, uh, you know, be ready, you know, come in this league. And I don't think it's going to be long if he keeps up these numbers, you know. You never know. I just hope that they they do it right with him, right? And I'm not saying and I'm just I. I gotta put Pasternak into this conversation. Yeah, I like him. I like his skill, his speed, and his vision, but he's not fully developed yet. I sure. I see Pasternak as a floater when he doesn't have the puck. Yeah, and I also see him bouncing off of players. When he goes and makes contact, which means he's just got to bulk up. He's got to bulk up and he's got to add his defensive attributes to be a, a complete player, in my opinion. And again, it's just my thought. I'm not saying I'm downing him or anything like that. You know, the world's not going to end if I have a bad opinion about everybody's favorite player. It's just what I see in his game. Well, you'd like to see more as far as, as, you know, he's in year two of his entry-level contract, and next year is going to be a contract year. And it's always frustrating when you get these kids that are in year three of their entry-level and they come out and they score, what, 
25, 30 goals. And then they, you know, get into arbitration and, well, I want $4 million, $5 million. And it's like the day of the cap, you know, you got to be very careful. I.E. Dougie Hamilton. Agreed. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's funny. Three-year entry-level contract and immediately done with that. And he's just like, I, I'm a $8 million player. And I know that was probably his his agent doing all the talking, but I'm sure Dougie had something to do with that, too. Oh, he's, you know, he's also been a three-alarm dumpster fire up there in Calgary <laughs> this year, you know? <laughs> How fitting. You're a flame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's... you got to give Sweeney some credit. I mean, he looks good right now as far as, you know, knowing when to not pay someone the money, you know? Yeah, and, right. And we'll we'll see we'll see when that pans out. You know, if, if I'm not sure which pick it was, I know we had the 14th, but the Calgary pick was that was that 15? Um, I think 15 was what from LA. 13 was LA, I believe. 13 was LA. So okay, 15, was, 15 was Calgary. Yeah. See how that pick goes out and see you know, but you know, I, I'm happy with well, I'm happy with the deal. Me too. I don't like players that demand everything when they come out of a, you know, a three-year deal and don't even accept a bridge-year deal. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. You know, and these agents, they're going to be in for a rude awakening this summer because that cap ain't going to go up that high. No. So you'll probably see the first 10 to 20 guys sign big contracts and then everyone else will be just sitting around all summer waiting. Canadian dollar still tanking. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's get back on track. Uh, talk about uh, defenseman Jeremy Lawson, uh from the Rowan Naranda. I can never say that team, uh, but from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, he was um, missing from action for about half a month, and I still don't know why. And I I really didn't put a ton of effort in to find out why. I should have contacted uh, Kurt Ludecky, but um. Uh, his first two games back were back-to-back against uh, Shikudami on Thursday and Friday, and he had one assist. His season total is 531, 36, and 31 games played. Yeah. You know, that's not, not bad numbers, but um, his, his, um, his, his production, his point production was definitely heavily favored in the beginning of the season, but start to um, come more to reality as he continues to develop. Yeah. Um, the next one, uh, defenseman Jakob Zborl from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, Wednesday against Markton, he had an assist. Saturday against Victorville, he had an assist and is currently on a four-game point streak, which is good. It's nice to see him getting on, you know, uh, you know, getting some offensive numbers. Um his season total is uh, 4, 10, 14, and 32 games. And like I said, it's good to see because I, I, I watch a lot of these Canadian junior games and, you know, it, it's hard for me to jump on board when, when you just don't, you don't see it. You know what I right. mean? He's a good player and he's got great potential, but at the moment, from what I'm seeing, I just, I'd like to see more. I mean, he had a tough start to the season, and, you know, it's good to see him getting back on track. Um, again, like we said earlier, you know, that uh, that learning curve at that position can be brutal sometimes, you know? So, 
Agreed. Now let's jump into the hottest Bruins prospect in the Canadian juniors, and that's left wing Jesse Gabriel in the West Coast Hockey League's Prince George Cougars. Uh, last week, busy week for Jeremy and the Cougars. He went, uh, he had three goals, four assists, seven points. Uh, and, it, and his Cougar team was on a four-game road trip. He currently has 16 points in his last nine games. Unreal. Yeah, and he's he, and he was a, a fourth. Oh, I'm sorry. Was he a fourth round or a third round pick? I want to say he was a fourth round pick. I think you're right about the fourth, yeah. I got to start putting these things in these stats. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> but, you know, this is, this, is, this is podcast number three, so, you know, it's trial and error for a while, so. Agreed. But... Yeah, sixteen points in nine games. I, when, like I, I, I always tell you, you know, when I watch a seven o'clock hockey game, those ten o'clock games, I gravitate when he's playing. When the Cougars are on, I really want to watch because he's an exciting player. And, and you know, that's just another example of the the talent that we have in that pipeline. It's amazing, it really is. You know, the past two drafts we've really stocked up. Um, but yeah, that kid is going to be a heck of a player. Yeah, he's um in in his season totals in fifty five games. He's thirty four, twenty nine, and sixty three. Yeah. I mean, it's he's exciting to watch, and I can't I can't wait to see him uh, in Providence. You know, another level and up. I mean, uh, when he jumps into professional hockey in the American Hockey League uh, sooner than later, I hope. Um, Jake, left wing Jake DeBrusque, uh, Western Hockey League, Red Deer Rebels. Um, he's been playing decent. He currently has nine points in his last seven games. Uh, yeah, season total, 17, 29, 46, and 42 games played. Uh, I, I, I like him. I like his game. I like his grit. His attitude, he'll drop the gloves, he'll, he'll, he'll score a highlight real goal, and he'll, uh, he'll, he'll give a feed that, you know, and you just don't see a young player, you know, pass like that with um, a total package player, you know what I mean? I mean, you can, you can get a guy that's really good at passing, but he sucks at hitting. Right. You can get a guy that's good at goal scoring, but he sucks at passing. But I mean, to me, he's a he's a he's a grit goal and um, dish kind of player. It's just so crazy to hear these numbers and you know what he brings to the table, and look back at his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about this not too long ago. Louis. Yeah, he, Louis was a good fighter. Good he fighter. Really was. He was probably one of the better five minute Icemen I've ever seen in my life. Character player. I mean, and, and you know, obviously his son is, you know. Uh, has that character and you know but he must be sitting at home going why couldn't I score that way <laughs> you know yeah but you know but, I mean, things have changed when I mean back in his days if you wanted to make the NHL yes you had to have talent but right. if you were an untalented player and you wanted to make the NHL you fought your way through the rankings like John Scott yes you know what I mean those yep. I mean that's how a lot of people got into the NHL. 
Um, would be another example. And yeah. but now nowadays with with the forever um, speed size, you know, it, it's teams want to get that all around player. They just don't want the fighter. They just don't want the goal scorer. They want everything, right? The total package to make it worth their while to you know bring aboard. Agreed. Last but not least, and I and I. I'll just say it. Last but not least, uh, Brandon Carlo, uh, the Western Hockey League's Tri-City Americans. Um, he's he's up and down for me. I, I understand, again, I understand his 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 potential and so on, but uh, I, he, just, he just gets careless with the penalties. And we talked about it last week. That's the Western Hockey League style of, hot, of play. But uh, last week, he had an impressive three-game homestand, contributing an assist in each of the games, and providing, and proving, I'm sorry, he was a force on the ice with a plus six in those games. That's an important number. Yeah, very that, important number. Yeah, that means you know he's he's moving, he's stepping in the right direction, and hopefully that's all. And in those three games, you only had two penalty minutes. But like I said before, I think that uh, he could really benefit from having a couple of good development camps over the next couple of years. Come in, learn the Bruins' way, and that's going to help him because it'll, you know, basically, how do I say this? Help him play that defensive structured game. He need he's going to have to learn before he comes here. Well said. So well said. you know that'll help him in that regard. But hey, you know the kid's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I I look forward to his game. He's a big he's big body, yeah. Um, uh, but I like to see him in, in an AHL environment where he's got a little more. You know, he's not playing against kids that are his age all the time. As a little mix of little veterans, rookies, you know, um, and also if he makes it to the NHL level, the same thing. How he adapts to. The play of other other opponents. Whether it be this year coming up, you know, 2016, 2017, or the following year, you know, he'd be a pretty good candidate to have him play those nine games before he goes back to juniors. You know, gets a feel for it, gets to play around more veterans, like you said. I mean, that that would be good for him. It'd be good for his career. Not only that, but um, uh, when the Canadian junior teams are finished with their season, whether they make the playoffs or not. They also have the right. They also have an opportunity to come play in Providence, and that that doesn't mean that they go through the rule of uh, the the Canadian Junior and um, the National Hockey League having the CBA with their eighteen and nineteen year old players. Yep. You know they 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 have to play for their respective teams, but until the season's over, the Bruins have rights to them. So they can play in the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. Which would be good for them. You know, it's just adding experience, playing in that type of atmosphere, learning the game. I mean, you know, whatever experience you can give a young kid in their development, that's that's huge. Agreed. Uh, anything else on prospects you got? Uh, no, I mean, you pretty much covered it. It's just, you know, it's, it's fun doing this because, uh, you know, I think people – sometimes kind of lose focus on what we have in the pipeline. And that's huge. In today's NHL, you got to develop your own talent. I, as much as I get involved in NHL Bruins and AHL Bruins, I also am a huge advocate of learning um, more about 
the the pipeline that like you said i you know and you know a lot of people you know they not a, you know, not a ton of people but you know i get the common questions once in a while how's this kid look how's that kid look you know and, and it makes me work harder to get that information so people can you know know what's coming down that pipeline and okay. say you know oh i i heard about that guy he's really good you know he could make a you know or you know in the past when i when i didn't do all this it was like oh who's this guy you know it's like oh you know you already just because you heard the name and he's on the starting roster you're not going to give him a chance so you know i i think the more information that you and i and you know other bloggers and other podcasters that do all this for you know a hobby or a job it's important for people to learn you know if they don't want to you know do the research for themselves you know and I, you know you can contest to my 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 work you know I, each podcast i put in 7 to 8 hours before you know to get everything ready so you know i, I love doing it so i'm not complaining you know, I mean, I look back, you know, 2003, 2004, even 2005, Providence was kind of like Siberia for hockey players. You know, they, guys like Ivan Humo would go down there and then disappear, never to be heard from again. And, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, we have a guy that's in charge now that actually cares about the pipeline, that realizes how important it is in today's NHL to manufacture your own talent because why Derek because I know you're a smart guy and you know this because why is in Don Sweeney has been in a player development role correct correct yep and that's important yep and you know if you're going to be running the show as a GM you you know it's important to know what's under the hood yeah you got to know all aspects of the organization throughout not just the business like others i.e peter shirelli i know he was a smart harvard guy but i just don't think that he was very up to do with like producing or evaluating talent or he was an ex-agent and you know he was just way too comfy handing out contracts you know handing out no movement clauses and no trade clauses like there were lollipops at a bank (laughs) and you just you know it kills you and, you know, unfortunately, Edmonton fans are going to find this out eventually once he has to start making a tough decision, you know. Hopefully Sweeney will be better than him in that regard, and so far he has. I agree with you. All right, how about uh, we jump right into our first segment of Ask the Bruins. Uh, this was a, a very good idea that you brought up to me over the week about getting a little more fan interaction into our podcast. Um, I, I'm not as cool as Derek DeVecchio, I guess. So, um, <laughs> I only got one response. So in all fairness, I do run six groups on Facebook. So I have a <laughs> lot of people that I can touch. <laughs> I know you're a social media ma- uh, maniac, <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to start with, uh, our friend Rob from, uh, the United Kingdom. And, uh, he, he brought up, uh, a, a decent point. And I'll elaborate afterwards, but uh, uh, he he touched on the availability of Kyle Ocpozo of the uh, New York Islanders, and uh, and he's a right winger, and he said uh, with Kyle Ocpozo going to free agency, um, 
most likely him being a power forward, would he be a good fit in the Bruins lineup? Uh, and would the Bruins be tempted to drop cap space to go after him? And that was a great question, Rob. Thank you very much. Um, I think that with the Islanders being where they're at in the standings right now, I think they're going to be more likely to add. Um, again, you know, this has gone on with them for a good six months. They've uh, been trying to re-sign him, and uh, Ock Pozo would be a great fit here. He's a power forward. Um, he's, you know, uh, benefited from playing with Tavares. He's a goal scorer. But, uh, again, I think if that type of move were to happen, it'd be more likely they would move him, I'd say, either around the draft or the summertime. Um, I'd also move him at this deadline. I think they'd be more likely to add right now. Uh, and uh, like we, our off-air discussion, uh, we talked about uh, if you if you move a player like Louis Erickson, you're going to have to bring you know, a player in to replace him. I just don't think Ocpozo is the right move at this moment because of the need at defense. I, I, I strongly believe that defense, uh, a, a defenseman or, an, or two defensemen is going to make this team so much better, whether you get one or the other uh, a year or two years from now. But, um, I mean, I like his game. He's, he's gritty. He's got some skill, you know. I think he'd fit well in the Bruins uniform, but... Um, the defense has got to tighten up. Agreed. And, you know, even if, you know, if you were to move Erickson, you could easily get a, a decent, you know, if Sweeney kind of sweetens the pot as far as the package that goes with Erickson, you can get a pretty decent forward in return along with a defenseman. So, again, would I go balls to the wall for a guy like Pozo? Not right now. Um, and plus, I don't think he'll be moved. I think, uh, that would be more of a summertime thing if it happened. So what do you got? Okay. Um, first question is from Marco from Bathurst, uh, New Brunswick, Canada. And his question is, going into this deadline, we know the Bruins are currently in the middle of a battle to hold on to a wild card in the Eastern Conference. There are some holes that need to be filled. The Bruins are up against the salary cap and have some key players to resign or trade. Do we resign or trade them before the trade deadline? Because we simply can't fail to address our biggest need this time. And I strongly believe that we need a top two or a defenseman and possibly a top six forward if we can't resign Erickson. What are the best trade fits? He would like to know. That's a very good question. Uh, thank you, Marco. Uh, like I said uh, in the prior question, um, with de- uh, the you know the need at defense, um, I, I mean players like Yandel come out. Jonas Brodine. Uh, uh, see that. I'm back. Okay, sorry. I got lost for a minute there. That's all right. Uh, I was just I was just saying um, on Marco's question about 
I'd like to see. I have a list right here of potential uh, free agents that are coming out, and um, you know, Yandel's one of them, or, or uh, a list of players that could be traded. I, I'm not sure. Um, I with 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 the Bruins being the third, you know, best goal scoring team in the league, I don't see us going after a. Um, a, a forward at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, having some internet connections, bear with me. I mean, defense is definitely our biggest need right now. There's no doubt about that. Um, so we'll have to see what he does at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes off the books and, uh, you know, does something that we weren't expecting. But hopefully, other than that, we'll have to see. Hopefully not sell the farm. Right. Okay. Uh, my second question, and thanks again, Marco. My second question comes from Xavier in Oakville, Ontario, Canada. His question was, if you could have any player currently in the NHL and has never played or been associated with the Bruins, play for the Bruins, who would you choose? Oh, boy. That is a great question. Uh, man, I would really love to see Steven Samkos in the Bruins jersey. <laughs> You and then the rest of us. I, I know it wouldn't happen because I cap reasons and he wants like 10 plus million and his term will never work. But what an exciting player he is. And he would definitely add a huge, huge amount of offensive skill to this team. That's already, you know, when you look on paper, this team doesn't look very good, but they, they are producing, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing about Stamkos is he's young enough where you can build around him. You know, if you wanted to rebuild your team, which, you know. But, yeah, he's definitely a, a quality player. One of the top five in the league, no doubt. And, yeah, if there was another one that I'd have to pick, I, I would I would definitely say, like, Patrick Kane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, regardless of his, you know, uh, off-season media stuff. I mean, he's an exciting player too. He is. You know, he's got to be smarter with his decision making, but on the ice, I mean, he's he's probably one of the most dominant players, you know, in the league right now. Definitely. Agreed. Um, for me, again, and you know, I had mentioned this to Jack Edwards over on Twitter the other day, and he brought up the guy's contract and said that, you know, that would be too steep for us. And I, you know, would be Brandon Dubinsky. Um, you know, I mean, he starts a six-year, $36 million contract in the fall, which that would be kind of steep. But uh, I've always liked the way he plays the game. Uh, he'd be the perfect Bruin. He brings it every night, high character, um, does those little things away from the puck that don't show up, uh, show up on the score sheet. But, yeah, he's definitely my favorite player off of the Bruin. Nice. That would be my choice. It's a good choice. 
And number three, and thank you again, Xavier. Number three is Andrew from Rumfield, Rhode Island. And uh, his question is, if you could have any NHL commentator on your show, who would it be? Ah, that's a great, great question. Uh, thank you, Andrew. And uh, Andrew is um, a writer for, a head editor for the Causeway Crowd on the Fansided Network. Um, I highly suggest you read some of his stuff. It's really he, good. He really is good. Yeah, he does a great job over there. And he's got a decent team of uh, writers below him. And uh, I constantly read and share his stuff. But um, uh, to answer that question, I would definitely say Fred Cusick. I grew up with Fred. Um, exciting. It just, his knowledge and the way he got up for a game or, or an exciting play. Um, I, I really liked, I really like Fred and I'm, I'm really sad that when he was, uh, when he was gone. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best. Um, he could be kind of a homer at times and at times more objective, but he, Definitely was one of the best. Him and Bob Wilson, who did the radio at the time, the two of them were amazing. Didn't matter if you watched them on TV or listened to them on the radio. Those guys were definitely the two best at what they did. Right. Uh, for me, <laughs> I'd have to say Jack Edwards. Uh, I love the guy. He cracks me up. Uh, the humor gets a little dry at times, but, you know, I, uh, I talk to him. Um, on Twitter, and uh, the guy is is very intelligent, knows the game. Uh, he has a passion for the game, and as a diehard myself, uh, if I was offered a position like that, I would probably be a worse homer than he's accused to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love Jack. Jack's definitely great, and uh, yeah, he'd definitely be my pick. Nice. Those are great questions. Nice way to start the uh, the first uh, edition of um, Ask the Diehards. And those of you that are interested, uh, you can answer um, on Mondays. I write a post and uh, leave your questions, and uh, I will answer the best three. So thank you very much for con who contributed this week, and uh, hopefully we'll see some new faces next week. Yeah, that'll be great. <clears throat> Yeah, I like the fan. I like to get more fan interaction. Um, I think it's important for us to do this to get our stuff out to fans, but also get feedback. So, uh, uh, let's just talk a little general discussion. Um, I've been uh, reading about this that's been coming out in the news about uh, pro hockey return to Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, according to Andy Matheson from Charter TV3 in Worcester, the East Coast Hockey League Board of Governors unanimously approved Cliff Rucker's bid to bring professional hockey back to Worcester. Um, uh, just a little uh, bit about Cliff Rucker. Uh, he is a very um, successful businessman um, that uh, is a diehard Bruins fan. He has season tickets to the Bees, and he supports minor league hockey. Um, and currently, because there's no hockey at the DCU Center in Worcester, he actively owns that lease. So with that being said, 
I started thinking about what the Bruins are doing with their East Coast Hockey League affiliate with the Atlanta uh, Gladiators. And um, they're on a two-year lease that was signed back in, uh, I believe, September of 2015. And that is, like I said, only two years. So if you put the, the lease of the DCU Center in Worcester and the lease of the Atlanta Gladiators, that pretty much comes to the same time that there's a good possibility that Cliff Rucker, being a diehard Bruins fan himself, might bring East Coast Hockey League hockey to Worcester as a Bruins affiliate. And what I like about it is, uh, I'm sorry, Derek, what I like about it is the idea of keeping all your prospects within an hour of travel. Well, that's important. You know, you never know what comes down the road. I mean, what if Providence has injuries and they, you know, um, again, you know, uh, it would definitely be great. And this is a great area uh, for hockey. You know, the college hockey, obviously, the Bruins fan base is one of the most passionate in, you know, hockey today. But, you know, you have all the college teams to play around here. And if you go over the NHL, I mean, how many ho- good hockey players are from this area? Oh, it's 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 definitely a great hockey market. Um, I know that, and I know that maybe many others know that the the American Hockey League had the Worcester Ice Cats, which was the St. Louis Blues affiliate, uh, and the uh, New York Islanders affiliate back in the day, and then transferred to the San Jose Sharks affiliate, the uh, Worcester Sharks, for a better part, I believe, ten years. Uh, I could be wrong on that number. Um, so there, there are hockey roots uh, embedded in um, Worcester, but uh, would the area, accom- you know, accommodate an East Coast Hockey League team, which is definitely a step down? I think so. I think it would. I well, here's here's my thing: is if you entire, you know, if, you, if if the Bruins are in fact uh, a part of the of the plans. Yeah. I, I believe you're going to immediately get uh, instant, instant, you know, interest, just because of the area, and there's there's great travel. You can get to Worcester from South Station. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's many ways to get and go there. But uh, coming back, uh, I have a friend of mine that is an agent, a scout, and an advisor, and her name is Anise Reeves, and she wrote a an article in on her website about the NHL in the future yep. um, about creating more minor league systems like yep. Major League Baseball. So this kind of brought me, you know, it got me to think and start doing some research um, that the an East Coast Hockey League in Worcester could create more top prospects and you could hide them in the East Coast Hockey League and bring them up to Providence as much as you needed. Right. Now, now, right now, there's only one prospect. His name is Eric Neely, N-E-A-L-Y, and he plays down in Atlanta. So everybody else on that team has really no 
rights to the Bruins. Right. So the the Toronto Maple Leafs had the uh, Orlando Solar Bears in the East Coast Hockey League, and they have stockpiled a ton of prospects down in the East ECHL. And I I I strongly believe that if if the Bruins do this, they could bypass the possibility of um, you know how the East the Canadian Hockey League has that two-year deal, the 18- and 19-year-olds? Yes. I think by doing this, they could get more prospects and be within an hour of travel to watch them and not you know, and not be subjected to those uh, regulations that the NHL and the CHL have. That would be huge because, you know, you got some kids that are going to be pretty much, you know, at the end of the – how do I say this? They'll be at the point – where they've already conquered the league they're playing in, which would be juniors. And, you know, to give these kids a chance to play a couple of years and then go to Providence, yeah, that would be huge for them. That would be great. You know, have that power from your home. You can't beat that. I agree. But uh, that's, I mean, I mean, that's... uh... I, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it just for hockey. You know, hockey in the area is huge. But, um, you know, I, I like the idea of stockpiling prospects. You know, you keep them working. You keep them working. And, and if one's, like, producing well over another, you switch spots. One goes down, one comes up. That's It's the, it's the constant, you know, role of, you know, producing high-talent players. And plus, up here in this area, I mean, you have all these other little cities that could support other teams. You know, you could put a team in you know, Lowell, maybe. I mean, they have their arena there for the their uh, college hockey team. Could they support a team there, maybe? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other cities. Well, Springfield has AHL, but you could also put a, you know, ECHL team there. I mean, you know, it's a good area for it. They can definitely support hockey there. So that that's my little you know and and uh, the, the official word on uh, hockey back in Worcester will be uh, in a press conference at eleven thirty tomorrow morning in Worcester at the DCU Center, and uh, whether it be Bruins related or not, uh, you know I, I can only hope. But um, you know, with the ties of Cliff Rucker, the businessman, and and his uh, passion for Bruins hockey, I I. I it just gravitates me towards that this could be something that's, you know, going to be huge. Totally agree. Yep. So that, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on uh, general discussion. Is there anything that you'd like to bring up? I know we're running, running uh, over an hour and a half now. <laughs> yeah, this has been a long one. No, I mean, I, I'm pretty much, I, we've pretty much covered everything. And uh, again, you know, hopefully, uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what Sweeney can do before the 29th. It'll be interesting. It certainly will. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, how he masterminds uh, this, the whole process before then. Uh, hopefully it's a, it's a beneficial move and not a move that, um, you know, we sell the farm and give up a lot of future. And, you know, between the depth that we have, 
And we do have pieces in the pipeline that, you know, you could look at and go, okay, well, maybe this guy wouldn't be the best fit and turn out to what we thought he would be. And, but you no, know, I mean, he, there's so many options and this. So I, I think he's going to end up making two trades by the deadline, but he has a lot of options and a lot of ammunition and you know, we'll see what he does. You know, these deadlines can make or break a GM. So we'll see. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, uh, if you'd like to uh, follow us on uh, SoundCloud.com, you can uh, download the free app, free mobile app. Uh, we are the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and we look forward to uh, talking uh, next week. Derek, thank you again, and uh, I look forward to uh, hanging out and talking puck next Sunday. Yeah. Sounds good to me. It's going to be a busy week, so we'll be ready for it. Definitely. Hopefully the team will be. We need it. Again, I'd like to reach out uh, for Derek and myself and just say thank you for all the support that we've gotten so far and the well wishes in our future in this podcast because it is a lot of fun and uh, we're going to keep doing it. Sounds good to me. All right, bud. Take care and thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in and uh, see you next week. Next week. for tuning in to the black and gold hockey podcast please join us next week for another discussion of bruins hockey related material